Welcome to We Have This Hope. My name is Emily Curzon. This is a podcast about the study of scripture, the art of remembering, and the practice of telling. On the show, we'll explore the ways God calls his people to remember by studying scripture together, and we'll hear individual stories of hope anchored in the beautiful and ancient practice of remembering. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back. It's been a minute. And the reason for that is because I have honestly been living a little bit under a rock. It's Thanksgiving week or Thanksgiving week has just wrapped up. While on the break, I had great intentions of getting this episode recorded for you. I was going to do so many productive things. And instead, I wallowed in bed and on the couch for about 72 hours because I thought I had the flu, which I didn't, thankfully. I had just like the worst virus infection of my adult life. But hey, I'm back. Thank God for antibiotics and for telemedicine and for my dear husband who held down the fort while I didn't feel well. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I'm so glad that you're listening. I'm really excited about the message today. We're going to jump into Proverbs 4. So this particular section of Proverbs 4 is filled with a lot of imagery. There's, or metaphors, whatever word you want to use. There's even a simile at the end, if you remember what that is. But I want you to, as I read it, as you read along, to look for what that image is that the speaker is conveying. Imagine, get kind of creative in your brain as you're listening. So without further ado, this is verse 10 of Proverbs chapter four. It says, listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I will guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot sleep till they do evil. They are robbed of slumber till they make someone fall. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Here's your simile. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. So hopefully you picked up on this this imagery around two paths or two ways that you could walk or go. The two ways are the way of wisdom and the way of what the text calls the way of evil men. So let's start with our first question. When we study scripture, we ask, what does it say? Well, what does it say about the first path, the way of wisdom? Because if you take this way, that your steps will not be hampered, that you won't stumble, It likens it to the first gleam of dawn. So in my mind, it's like taking a beautiful walk on like a crisp, cool morning. I can see the sun is rising. To me, that like I'm filled with hope and energy. The way of evil men, by contrast, it says is full of traps. It's It's full of evil and looking to bring people in. It's looking to trip people up. It's filled with violence. It it likens it to deep darkness. So walking on a path where there are traps and there are pitfalls that I can't see quite clearly. 
The other thing that it points out that I think is rather telling in verse 12 and 13, we see that even in the way of wisdom, in this way where steps are not hampered, there are times when we walk, there are times when we run, and there are times when we hold on. And I think that's worth highlighting. So it says basically to me that the way of wisdom isn't, doesn't mean that that way is easy or certainly not passive. That when you're traveling on that path, there's a level of active participation that's going on. So with this imagery of two paths in your mind, we're actually going to go look at two different types of paths or rather parades or coronations in the story of Solomon. And then we'll bring it all together, this idea of, of two ways of living, two ways of going. So we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 1. Now, just to catch you up, if you haven't listened to previous episodes, in 1 Kings, we're talking about the lives of King Solomon. He was this, the king after king, the great King David. He was King David's son. And so we're going to pick up in the story here right before he becomes king. His father, David, is an old man. He's basically bedridden, it tells us, and he's getting ready to die. And he knows it. And kind of all the people around are preparing for David's death. So we're going to look at five verses just to start with. So starting in chapter one, verse five through 10, here's what it says. Now, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, I will be king. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead of him. His father had never interfered with him by asking, why do you behave as you do? He was also very handsome and was born next after Absalom. Adonijah conferred with Joab, son of Zeruah, and Abathar the priest, and they gave him their support. But Zadok the priest, Benaniah, son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shimei and Ray, and David's special guard did not join Adonijah. Adonijah then sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fattened calves at the stone of Zoheleth near Enrogel. He invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah who were royal officials. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet or Benaniah or the special guard or his brother Solomon. Okay, so first, pause for a minute and give me props for pronouncing all that stuff really fast. I probably didn't do it all correctly. But let's talk about what it just said, okay? So Adonijah is the other, is another one of David's sons. And according to like birth order, he technically should be next in line. It mentioned that he was handsome and he was born next after Absalom. So if you know the story of David, Absalom is his son who tries to kill him. So Adon, and, and he ultimately dies. Adonijah should be next in line for the throne. But we know from what we've previously studied that God had told David, Solomon is who I want to sit on the throne after you. And so what we see is Adonijah puts himself forward and he gathers support sort of strategically. We can see he's inviting key people. He's inviting priests. He's inviting some of the other royal officials of Judah. He's inviting his other brothers to come to his own coronation. What's interesting, and I hope you caught that, was at the very end is that he did not invite Solomon, nor did he invite any of the people who were close to King David, which tells you, we can infer, that means he knew at some level that he was cutting in line. 
at some level, there was some deception, there was some manipulation to try to take the throne. So what happens, we're going to jump to verse 32 here in a second, but what happens is the good guys, or rather David's allies, David's closest people, and Bathsheba, so Bathsheba Solomon's mom, David's allies and Bathsheba go to the aged King David, like laying in his deathbed, and they say, hey, Adonijah is out there right now, and he's trying to claim the throne, but you said God said Solomon should do it. So what are you going to do? And here's what David does, which is verse 32. King David said, call in Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaniah son of Jehoiada. When they came before the king, he said to them, take your Lord's servants with you and set Solomon, my son, on my mule and take him down to Gihon. There, have Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel. Blow the trumpet and shout, Long live King Solomon. Then you're to go up with him, and he's to come out and sit on my throne and reign in my place. I have appointed him ruler over Israel and Judah. Then Aniah, son of Jehoiada, answered the king, Amen. May the Lord, the God of my Lord the king, so declare it. As the Lord was with my Lord the king, so may he be with Solomon to make his throne even greater than the throne of my Lord King David. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaniah, son of Jehoiada, the Carathites and the Pelathites went down and put Solomon on King David's mule and escorted him to Gihon. Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the sacred tent and anointed Solomon. Then they sounded the trumpet and all the people shouted, Long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him, playing flutes and rejoicing greatly, so that the ground shook with the sound. So what just happened? King David said, Oh, okay, Adonijah's trying to take the throne. I want you to go. Put Solomon on my donkey, and I want you to take him to this place called Gihon, which is a really, really important detail. And what we see here essentially is another coronation, another or another parade of a king coming in to sit on the throne. So we see our two paths. Well, what's interesting when we compare them is a couple of things. The first is we see, we know that with Adonijah, he put himself forward. He, he manipulated for power and sort of attempts to imitate the blessing that Solomon actually got, and that's important. Solomon, however, we see by contrast, was put forward by God through David. It, it says to put him on David's mule, and he takes him to this place called Gihon, which I don't want us to miss. I want to pause for a minute and just tell you a little bit about what Gihon was. It was actually a spring or a water source. It was actually at the time a primary water source for Jerusalem flowing east to west. And in Hebrew, the word Gihon actually means bursting forth. So I hope you're picturing this scene in your mind. And I hope you're catching all the beautiful imagery of Solomon's coronation. We have the one who was anointed by God, placed on a donkey, anointed with oil, placed in a place that is bursting forth as the source of life for the city. And in comes the king with all the people rejoicing so much, it says that the ground was shaking. So let's talk a little bit about why all of this still matters. 
What I love about Proverbs is that it's so practical. It's so practical, it's almost obvious. Or I have a good friend who uses this acronym called, he says it's BIBNO, B-B-N-O, which stands for basic but not obvious. And that's what I, I have found over and over with Proverbs. When we pair it with the story of Solomon, we see that maybe the Proverbs actually isn't so basic. And it's actually rich in carrying forth like biblical imagery and important biblical connections and themes. So why does this still matter to us? I think that the answer is obvious. I think it still matters to us because we can choose a path. Nobody's forcing us to go a certain way, but before us, we have the way of the world or the way of, of evil men, the path of what I'm going to say, the path of self-promotion, of manipulation, of imitation, deception, and the way of darkness. Or we have the path of life and light and goodness, the path of the coming king who's bursting forth. So Solomon is coming on, but the path or imagery, this imagery is actually continued into the New Testament in a really beautiful way. I hope as you were listening, you were imagining this scene, the triumphal entry or Palm Sunday scene where Jesus is placed on a donkey and he's led into Jerusalem. But I want to look at a couple of things that he said about himself and about his ministry that can really apply to which path we choose today. I want to think about how in Matthew 3, there were actually those that went before Jesus to prepare the way. That person was John the Baptist. When he says, and he's quoting from a uh, prophecy from Isaiah, he says, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Again, this path imagery, even before Jesus's coronation. But he says, prepare the way, and he's fulfilling this prophecy. And, and we get an image, but I, it's from Isaiah 40, verse 3, where we get this image of the Israelites preparing and making a highway by which their Messiah could return to Jerusalem. So a path, for them, it was a path literally through the wilderness into the promised land. So beautiful. John the Baptist is saying, prepare the way, like the king is coming, it's time. Then later on, when Jesus is meeting with his disciples and he's talking about how he's, he's going away, they have a lot of questions. They're like, where are you going? This is confusing. And, and Thomas asks this beautiful question in John 14, verse 5. It says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? I wanna, I'm going to read that again. And I hope you'll just think about like, does this question resonate with you? Have you ever thought this? about your walk with God, about your relationship, about your living in the kingdom way? Have you ever thought, Lord, we don't know where you're going. I don't know where you're going. So how can I know the way? And I want you to hear Jesus's answer as if it is an answer to you. In verse six, Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the way. Hear that. Jesus is the way. When I was preparing this episode and thinking like, why does it still matter? Well, two reasons. It still matters because, yes, we can choose which path we want to take, but it also matters because we have someone who's showing us the way. We can choose the path, and then my first question after that is, okay, well, how do I get to that path? How do I do it? I want to take that path, but I don't know the way. And the way is Jesus. He's the king to follow. He's the one. 
It makes me think of if you listen to the episode where we talked about the intro to Proverbs. It says in the prologue of Proverbs, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So this idea that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the trail. The fear of the Lord is what gets you there, okay? So remember what the fear of the Lord was? It was this idea that Tim Mackey defines it as this idea that I am not the author of my own existence. I'm not the author of what is good and not good. So if you can get that far, you can believe, just to connect the two thoughts, if you can believe that Jesus is good and that he loves you, then you found the trailhead. When I was in college and in high school, but this particular story happened in college, I I was in Guatemala and I was leading a group of high school students and we were hiking up a volcano, which is again, like ridiculous and laughable if you know me, why in the world I was leading a group of high school students, high school girls on a volcano in Guatemala. I have no idea, the most underqualified person for that activity, but yet there I was. Well, and no surprise, I got lost. So I know it sounds crazy to get lost on your way up a volcano, but somehow we did it. So it was me and I had this walking stick that I had bought at the base of the mountain because I was a great leader. And I had four or five high school girls with me and we lost the rest of the group. And at one point I, I panicked. I sat down and I actually threw my walking stick. And I have a friend who can vouch for this story because he was there. <laughs> I threw my walking stick and I was crying because I was just overwhelmed with fear. I didn't know the way. I didn't know the way. And at some point in my wandering, I looked up and I saw from a great distance our youth pastor, or at the time my boss, and I just shouted, I just screamed his name because I was just so relieved to have found the leader. I still didn't know the way down the volcano. I didn't know how to get down. But when I saw my leader, when I saw Todd, I knew, okay, well, now I can find the way. Now I can get to safety. Have you ever been lost? Or do you even maybe right now you feel like you don't really know which way you're going? If I asked you which path are you on, the way of wisdom or the way of evil men, would you be able to answer? Do you feel tired from living in the way of wisdom? I think it's okay to acknowledge that, to say sometimes we're just holding on for dear life. If you answered any of those questions, yes, then I hope the encouragement you'll hear today is that the way forward is the person of Jesus. The way forward is Jesus. Thanks for being with me today. I hope you're enjoying this journey through Proverbs. All right, I hope you're reading along on your own and doing your own kind of deep dive. It's so rich, so good. I love it. Um, Tonight, I am actually recording the next interview. I'm not going to tell you who it's with, but it's another um, remembering interview in our series about your first venture. I am not related to this person, but I wish I was. And I love them very, very much. So I hope you'll tune in. That should be coming out later in the week. And if you're enjoying the podcast, would you share it with friends? Would you subscribe or even leave me a review or a comment? That would be awesome. I would love it so much. 
Thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon.